Turn with me, if you would, if you have your Bibles with you, to Psalm 124. Yes, we are going to take a one-week break from our exposition in 1 Samuel. It seemed to me that if we have an 800-year flood, that's a good occasion to break one week from a series. And so that's what we're going to do. This is your once in an 800-year break. As we look at this psalm, Psalm 124, that I think will be very helpful in helping us to deal not only with the aftermath of the events of the past two weeks, but also will give us a mindset that we need in all the days of our lives. The word of the Lord is completely without error. The word of the Lord is completely authoritative. And beloved, the word of the Lord is completely sufficient. Psalm 124. A song of ascents of David. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. Then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord, who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken, and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would use your word mightily in our lives. We know your word has power. And we ask, O Lord, that you would point us to the Lord Jesus Christ, that we would see our need and his provision. This we ask in Christ's precious name. Amen. Have you ever used the phrase, what if? I dare say some of you have used it this week. What if the storm had turned a bit this way or a bit that way? What if our home was just a few feet higher in elevation? What if I hadn't decided to park my car where it would flood? What if is something we do after the fact when we can't do anything about it? Perhaps more ordinarily we see this in the world of sports. What if the coach had made a different decision? What if this player had done a different thing? It's so common we have a phrase for it now. We call it Monday morning quarterbacking. But I think one of the best ways to think about the what if issue is one of my favorite films of all time. I'm sure many of you have seen it. They show it every single Christmas, every year. It's called It's a Wonderful Life. And it's the story of a man named George Bailey. 
And George is going through a miserable patch of providence. Everything seems to be going wrong. Every place he turns, another thing breaks down. And he simply says, the whole world would be better off if I had never lived. And in the movie, George is given an opportunity that we are not. He's given an opportunity to see what life would be like if he had never been born. And what he sees is that not only would his life not have turned out, but the the effect would be devastating on all of those around him because he had never lived. Now, I want you to stop for just a moment and think that that is the story of one man's life. And now I want you to consider what if God did not exist. What if the Lord was not who he has declared himself to be? What if the Lord were not on our side? It's a frightening thought. And when we face that frightening thought, then we can take comfort in the most difficult of circumstances because we know that the Lord does exist and he is on our side. So this morning, I would like us to see three things from our text. First, our absolute need for the Lord. For many of us, that became very clear these past few weeks. Secondly, our complete deliverance by the Lord. That is something we need to be reminded of each and every day. And then thirdly, our sufficient Hope in the Lord. The Lord is a sufficient hope for you today. No matter what you are going through, the Lord is your sufficient hope. Well, let's begin then by looking at our absolute need for the Lord. And the way we will be able to understand this psalm and to personalize it for ourselves so that we can put ourselves in their place is to look at the context of the psalm. David is going to begin by telling us not only about the dangers that Israel has faced, but also about the Lord's intervention. And so we need to put ourselves in the place of the original audience hearing this psalm. And the way we do that is we start with something that's not even in the verse numbering of the psalm. It's at the very top of the text. Perhaps in your translation it might be in all capital letters, or it might be in italics, it says, a song of a sense of David. Now, I do not want you to be alarmed. This is a part of the Bible. It is in the Hebrew text. It just doesn't happen to have a verse number assigned to it. And so it is biblical. You may recall that the Bible verse numbering scheme itself is more than a thousand years after the completion of of the scriptures. And so this heading, as it were, that comes to us for this psalm is very helpful. The first thing that we see is it is called a song of ascents. Now, what does that mean? This refers to 15 psalms between Psalm 120 and 134 that were sung by Israelite pilgrims as they went on up to Jerusalem. As they were ascending, they would sing these psalms as they were going to Jerusalem for the feast days. This was especially true 
upon their return from exile from Babylon. Now, this was no normal trip. It was a dangerous trip. There were (coughs) robbers and thieves and people who would prey on the pilgrims as they would go. So you have to understand, this is more than just something to take up their time as they're traveling. Now, as any parent of young children knows who's ever taken a long road trip, you find some way, whether it's, in my day it was a cassette tape, then we advanced to compact discs, now we stream everything, but what you do is you put those same songs on over and over and over and over again, right? So that everybody in the car remains calm and distracted. That's the way you get the children through the long ride. This is much more than just that. It's not just road music. No, these psalms were reminders of the fact that the feasts were important things. They were reminders that God was in the feasts. And so we have, for example, in Psalm 120, a lonely Israelite's distress as he is away from God's people, perhaps even away from God himself. In Psalm 121, the psalmist reminds himself that the Lord is his keeper. And in Psalm 123, right before this one, the psalmist lifts his eyes up to heaven, looking to God for mercy. So you have to understand, that is the context of this psalm. It is there to give comfort and guidance and direction to God's people as they go on the way. The second thing we see is that it is a psalm of David. It's actually one of four psalms in this set that is written by David. Now, that doesn't surprise us because David wrote a lot of psalms, didn't he? But the one thing that is surprising is that we don't know when he wrote it. Oftentimes, when we see a psalm of David, it'll say, a psalm of David when he fled from Saul. Or a psalm of David when he was hidden in the cave. Here, there is no such designation. And it could have been any one of a half dozen times that David was struggling against enemies. When he says, if it had not been that the Lord was on our side, we could think of at least a half dozen occasions that this would have been true for David. And so what this means is, for both the Israelites and for you and me, we could easily place ourselves into this psalm because it's not a specific threat. It is valuable to us in any circumstances that we find ourselves we're actually helped in understanding the meaning of this psalm because it is intentionally vague about the time of its setting. Well, as we look at these opening verses, we are struck with Israel's need because of the fearsome dangers that she faced. And these dangers, they were fearsome. David describes them in very vivid terms. He doesn't just say, the enemy came here. No, he gives us word pictures, several of them, so that we can see in our mind's eye how dangerous the situation is and was. And the first word picture that he describes is in verse 3. 
If it had not been the Lord who was on our side when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. And so David compares the anger of his enemies to something that would swallow Israel up alive while they were still living. This is, you could have the picture in your mind of a big, fearsome beast that devours its prey before it even kills it. Think of a lion and a very small animal. Think of a huge fish and a small fish. You see, this is something that gives us pressure. It makes us uncomfortable. Another way to think about it might be this. Have you ever had occasion to be in a big crowd? And a big crowd, as it started to press in on you and to get closer and closer, and you couldn't get out, and you started to not be able to move your arms, and it's pressing in, and you don't know where to go, and sometimes your mind begins to lose control. The dangers physically are one thing, but mentally we begin to break down. Perhaps for some of you, you felt exactly this way this week. As you watched waters inch up, inch by inch, wondering how high they would come, wondering if they would reach your porch, wondering if they would come into the house, knowing there was nothing you could do about it. It was coming up. When this happens, what do you do? Where do you go? Where do you turn? David gives us a second picture that I think we are very aware of in this time in our lives. It's in verses 4 and 5, a picture of a raging flood. Then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. And this is a picture not just of flood waters that inch up into our homes. This is a picture of a raging torrent. I want you to give consideration to this. Have you ever been out on the beach and wandered out a little bit too far into the surf and a big wave crashes on you? And it knocks you down and you can't catch your breath. And what happens? You start to get up and another wave crashes on you. And now your legs are wobbly and you're trying to put a hand down and there's no firm ground and another wave crashes on you. And you're afraid you're going to be dragged out to sea because they keep coming and you can't find a firm footing. You can't catch your breath. You don't know what to do. That's the picture David gives us. Raging waters. This is where some of you are right now. For some of you, your homes have been devastated. For others of you, you have loved ones who have homes devastated. Some of you here have not flooded, but you have medical conditions that are devastating and occupy your thoughts. Others have great fear for their family, especially their children. How will they grow up? What will they do? Some of you are fearful because a job situation has caused financial instability and you're not sure where your next check will come from. There's a third word picture that David gives to us. And it's of being trapped. We see this in verses 6 and 7. Blessed is the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. 
This picture of trouble is like one who is about to be torn apart by the teeth of a fierce animal who are caught like a bird in the trap of a hunter where there is fierce destruction from which there is no escape. Now I want you to notice something else about this psalm. Martin Luther said that the important thing in the Bible are the pronouns. I want you to look at the pronouns that are used in this psalm. Over and over and over again, it is we, us, our. The whole people of God, in a corporate sense, are in this need and trouble. It's not as if David is describing the need of some people who could be helped by someone else. No, the people of God are all together in these dire straits. And so David presses this point home that there is a complete dependence that we have on God. There is no one else we can turn to because we all are, however discouragingly, in the same boat together. Twelve times David uses the first person plural pronoun. David is describing a hopeless situation, a situation that Israel was totally unable to face. But he is also describing more, so much more than that. Israel has an unbelievable need, and that may not be what we want to hear right now. We may not want to dwell on our need, but we have to start there. Because once we start there, then we can see the second thing. And the second thing is that all of this trouble, all of this crushing weight on Israel is set in a context. What if... You see, we must look at our trials, we must look at our struggles, we must look at our hard providences through the lens of the Lord. Over and over again, in verse 3, would have. In verse 4, would have. Again, would have. Verse 5, would have. All of this would have happened if it had not been that the Lord was on our side. But you see, These things haven't happened because the Lord was on their side. Now look at how emphatic David is. Look at verse 1. David says, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side. Now, I have to imagine the psalmist or the leader of worship, as he says that, he's waiting for an amen. And all he's getting is a few mumbles. Yeah. And so what does David do? Let Israel now say, if it had not been that the Lord was on our side. You see, he wants the people of God to understand this, to own this, to take charge of this, to know that God is their help. Think about how bad it would have been. But God. This is exactly what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2. And it is true for each and every person who claims the Lord Jesus Christ by faith. Paul describes how horrible we are. How horrible the estate of man is. 
how we are dead in our sins, how we are walking according to the power of Satan, how we are fulfilling our own sinful lusts, how we deserve God's wrath. But God, you see, God intervenes. God who is rich in mercy, He is on our side. He made us alive. He is on our side. And you see, we must acknowledge our own complete weakness to meet our need. It is only the Lord who can meet our needs. And He has met it. You see, this psalm was written not just for weeks like this week. Because you see, I dare say, if you are anything like me, you are far more aware of your need for the Lord when you are standing in two feet of water in your home. You are far more aware of your need for the Lord when the largest hurricane ever recorded is bearing down on Florida. It is the month before. It is the years after when things get back to normal. When we begin to think we've got it all together. When we have a different view because we're safe and we're warm. We don't often remember back to that way of thinking when we were in a time of trouble. So you see, this psalm is an everyday psalm for us. To remind us that each and every day we need the Lord. When the going gets tough, we are willing to promise God all sorts of things if he'll carry us through. But do we trust the Lord in the quiet of an ordinary day? Because you see, we need Him just as much then. If if it's one thing the storm should teach us, it is that. The only reason we don't have these storms every day is the mercy of God. He is the one who controls the weather. We have all sorts of technology, all sorts of defenses against military enemies... And when the storm comes, what do we do? We run and we hide. And that is a fraction of the power of God. The scripture tells us so. It describes the power of God in the storm. Every day we need the Lord. You see, David wants us to be clear that we have no other option to turn to. We're not looking to ourselves. We're not looking to our resources. We're looking to the Lord. If it had not been the Lord, he says, not once, but twice, we would have been crushed. And that language, if it had not been, is David's argument to us. He is leaving us no option to turn to. Unless the Lord were on our side, defeat was inevitable. Now this is Bible language. The Bible is full of it. The psalmist writes in Psalm 94, If the Lord had not been my help, my soul would have soon lived in the land of silence. Psalm 119 says, If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. Now, it is not that the Lord is fickle with His people. He doesn't change and decide to support them and then not. No, actually... The exact opposite is true. No matter how bad the situation is, no matter how much the world and sin press in on you, 
The Lord is on your side in Jesus Christ. Do you feel oppressed by sin today? That's an oppression that you feel each and every day, even when the weather is calm. Perhaps even you wonder if you're a Christian because sin seems to entangle you and you can't be rid of it. The good news of the gospel is is that David is speaking to you right now. He's telling you that no matter how bad your circumstances, no matter how badly you are attacked, the Lord is on your side and that is enough. Now notice how David presses the point home in verses 6 and 7. David says, Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as a prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Now notice, David doesn't say, we might escape. He doesn't say the snare could be broken. That it's a breakable snare. That God might decide not to give us up as prey. No, here there is no place for the language of would have, should have, could have. No, here we see certainty. We have been delivered by the Lord. And David takes this in his own life, as it were, to the bank. So in Psalm 56, when he's been captured by the Philistines, he says, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? Again, in Psalm 118, he could say, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? You see, David not only knew this truth, he experienced it. He'd been in tight spots. He didn't know if he would live or die over and over again. And he trusted the Lord. After all, he says, we have escaped because of what God has done. He has broken the snare, and all we need do now is go free. Now, you may be sitting here this morning and say, Pastor, that's all well and good. I'm not King David. I'm not God's anointed leader of his people. And as a matter of fact, now my problems seem rather small compared to what's going on. I've got to have a medical procedure next week, and I've been worried about it, but Hurricane Irma's about to devastate Florida. I'm sure God's got his attention over there. I'll have to take care of myself. Maybe you can't see a way out of your problems. Maybe they seem so overwhelming, you think there's nothing God could do to help you. Now, I could do what preachers do, which is, I could go on at length to try to convince you of the love of God, of His faithfulness, of His complete deliverance of His people, of His delight in delivering. But I'm not going to. Because I think the Apostle Paul does it much better in the inspired Word of God in Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, in verse 31, Paul puts it this way, What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? 
Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, For your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation. That includes a flood, doesn't it? Nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. The Lord is on your side. So we've seen our absolute need for the Lord. And we've seen Israel's complete deliverance by the Lord. Now we look at hope for the present. Our sufficient hope in the Lord. We have yet to consider this. That is, that Israel's sufficient hope is in the Lord and so is ours. And to do this, David makes the past point to the present. David has spent a good deal of time describing what has happened, the previous need that Israel had, the Lord's delivering Israel from that need, in order to establish the certain and sufficient hope that we can have in the Lord for all of our needs to come. Now notice what David does here in verse 8. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Do you see what he's doing here? He's moving from the past to the present. He had been speaking of was, were, has, had. That the Lord had been on our side. Now he says, our help is now in the Lord. That the Lord is on our side right now. This very day, as you deal with struggles, the Lord is your help. Now this would bring great comfort to these pilgrims as they sang this psalm. It would bring back a host of memories about how God had delivered Israel and how he would be their help Now, they would perhaps think about the time when the ark was lost and how God brought it back without any of their help at all. They might think of the time when the Philistines attacked and God defeated them with thunder and lightning. They might think of the time when a massive army of Ethiopians came and attacked Israel and King Asa called on the Lord, O Lord, there is none like you to help between the mighty and the weak. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rely on you. What could possibly prevail 
against such a God. No one else is needed for our help. Is your view of God that big? Is the Lord sufficient for your help? He is the creator of the heavens and the earth. That is not a small task. It's not a question of whether the Lord is able. It's not a question of whether the Lord is sufficient in himself. David reminds us of that in the closing words of this psalm. After all, this God, this Lord, our Lord, is the one who made heaven and earth. Now, as I've said, that is no small task to make everything in existence. But I actually don't think that's what David is referring to here. He's not strictly just referring to the power of God in creation. I think what he's also telling us is that as the Lord is the one who made heaven and earth, and he is sovereign over heaven and earth. He is in control. So it's not just that God is powerful, which he is. He is also sovereign and in control. Now you see, it's almost as if David is anticipating our objections. Because you see, that's, that's how we are. People come to try and encourage us, and we, we raise objections to the encouragement. It's as if we were to say to David, but, but the, waves, the waves are too big. And David would say, who made the waves? Who's in control of the waves? Well, well, but the anger, the anger of my enemies is just too strong. Who created all mankind? Who is in control over them? But, but the traps they've laid for me, they're too sneaky. I'll never escape their traps. Is there any part of heaven and earth that the Lord did not make? Is there any part of heaven and earth that the Lord is not in control over? Of course not. The Lord is the one who had who is the maker of heaven and earth, and there is no one else to turn to. No one else is needed. God is completely sufficient for all our hopes. He is completely sufficient to dispel all of our fears. Now, we have an absolute need for the Lord. And if you know the Lord Jesus Christ this day as your Lord and Savior, you know the complete deliverance that He has provided from death and sin by His work on the cross. But if you don't, then I urge you this morning, along with David, to run after that deliverance. Because you see, without it, without Jesus, there is no hope. The waters will overwhelm. The wrath of God is kindled against you. If the Lord is not on your side, you will perish. Run to the Deliverer. Run to Jesus. And especially for the Christian today, remember the life of David. He was on the run from Saul. He was attacked by enemies. He was betrayed by his own family. He didn't know whether he would live or die, and yet he could acknowledge, blessed is he whose hope is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever. 
Some trust in chariots. Some trust in horses, David says. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Will you do the same this morning? Will you trust the Lord wholly? Without reserving anything else, without any other plan B, will you cast yourself upon the Lord? He is your strength. He is your help. He is your hope. Let's pray.